Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the I'm Fine podcast. Today we're going to be talking about one of the most primitive of human emotions, something that we believe many have struggled with in lieu of the 2020 COVID pandemic, good old-fashioned grade-A anger. So today we're going to talk about the different types, things that make us angry, how we deal with it. So if you are ever freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and or emotional, don't worry, you are in great company. Welcome to the I'm Fine Podcast with your freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional hosts, Eric Peterson and Brad Stozik. We are on episode two now. Episode two. We did it. We, we did it. We talked about this like all week, man. How do you feel after the first episode? Much better. I feel a lot more calm, Yep. a lot more collective. Now that I got my feet wet, I know yep. what I'm doing. I'm ready to go, man. I got a little in my head watching it and listening to it mm -hmm. and just picking up on like little things that I did where I was like, I shouldn't have said that like that. I should have done, I shouldn't have done something in a certain way. I feel like I'm always hunched over like Quasimodo. And so now I'm just like, Ugh, I just gotta, like stand back <laughs> without looking like a dick. So yeah, I thought we did. I thought we did really good, man. And yeah. a huge thank you to our supporters, anybody that downloaded, that listened, that watched on YouTube. Uh, a lot of the comments that came in were super, super thoughtful, both on YouTube and people that reached out to us personally. That meant a lot. You said there's a couple of veterans that reached out to you, a couple of veterans that reached out to me that talked about the, how they got something out of this, right? Yeah. I had a couple of my buddies that I served with. They reached out and they said it really impacted their lives. And I even had one, she listened to it, said it was good, and then texted me couple of days later, I was like, oh, I thought about it. And you know what? It really hit home and it, I, she really likes what we're doing. So, And that's our goal. That's that's what we're shooting for with this. So we really, truly appreciate the feedback and anybody that's reaching out to us that's getting something from this. So when it comes to today's topic, we're going to be talking about anger. So before we get into it too deep, I wanted to go to the American Psychological Association to go to their definition. So their definition of anger is an emotion characterized by antagonism towards someone or something you feel has deliberately done you wrong. Anger can be a good thing. It can give you a way to express negative feelings, motivate you to find solutions, but excessive anger can cause problems. Now, as far as the things that can cause anger, According to psychguides.com, a leading cause of anger is a person's environment. So stress, financial issues, abuse, poor social or familial situations, and overwhelming requirements on time and energy can contribute to the formation of anger. I feel like that is something that every single person that has managed to get through this clusterfuck of a past few years <laughs> is like dealing with to some degree or another. Would you not agree? I would agree with that a hundred percent. And have I've seen, especially during the pandemic, I've seen anger in the strangest ways and in ways that really kind of bummed me out. I was in at our local grocery store not too long ago. Well, I say not too long ago, but it was like probably a year, two years ago, but it was during the pandemic. And I was going back to the bakery 
to get some cupcakes for my daughter. This was my daughter's uh, birthday. And we go in there to get the cupcakes. And the lady behind the counter was like, hey, I just want you to know, we can't decorate the cupcakes because of the COVID restrictions. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, no problem. That's fine. And she looked at me for a second. And then she felt for some reason like she needed to elaborate. And she was just like, I would love to do it. But I just, I really can't, you know, decorate them, but I will give you all the decorations so you guys can do it. And I was like, yeah, that's for, uh, it's for toddlers. So they're just going to inhale these things. They're little feral beasts. Like it's fine. It's going to be fine. And she looked at me and gave this sigh of relief. And she told me that I would not believe how many people had been so angry with her when she was just doing her job. And just forced to uphold something that she may not necessarily believe in, but she has to do it because it's her job. And while it's not her fault, you going in there, John Q. Public, to get some cupcakes, and then you're just going to like lash out on this lady. And so, I mean, I saw a lot of situations like that. And a lot of that all frustrates me so much because I know, in my opinion, that so many of us were on the same page, especially like throughout the pandemic, like the middle class, hey, guess what? We're all in this together. And us taking this out on each other is incredibly counterproductive, in my opinion. What about from your end? Have you kind of witnessed some of that stuff externally? Or is pretty much everything you deal with internally when it comes to anger? It's a little bit of both. I think the pandemic just changed everybody when it comes to anger. Yeah. Like, I don't think people know how to even interact with people anymore without getting offended or angry or something along those lines to where it's, it almost makes you not want to interact with anybody in some cases. Because you're nervous. Yeah. And you're, and fundamentally, nobody, I don't think anybody really wants to piss anybody off. No. But when you're talking about some of the causes of anger, stress, financial issues, poor social situations, that was the last three years for a lot of people. And now you have to take all those things that you're dealing with on the personal side. And then we're expected to go to work, leave that shit at the door, and then do your job without letting any of these personal issues affect you like one bit. And you look at so many of the essential type workers that are working day in, day out, nurses, teachers, cops, firefighters, whoever. And you see so many people that are getting so burnt out and that usually turns into anger. But what other kind of things did you you deal with where it was an issue, where anger was an issue for you? Because I know when we first started talking about doing this, one of the first things you told me was, I have a problem with anger. Yeah, I'm so angry. I think it started when my grandma passed. Eighth grade, we were really close. So she was diagnosed with cancer, passed away. Man, that really, I didn't grieve properly when it came to her death. And like I told you before, it was anger or sadness. And for me, what that meant was shutting people out of my life. I would get to the point where people were like, dude, I don't even want to be around you because it's so, you're either angry or you're sad about something. And it's like, well, I don't know how to handle my emotions, apparently. And I believe it's the Kubler-Ross stages of grief, and and one of those is anger. Was mm-hmm. like anger, bargaining, denial, acceptance, and I forget what the other one is. It's doing drugs. I don't know <laughs> what it is. It might not. It might be that. It might not be that. But I know anger is a big one in there, 
And anger is the one that I hold on to the longest. Like that's the most pronounced one for me. That's like front and center because that's the first thing that I feel. Because for me, it's like I'm dealing with it right now. So some people may know my mom, she was diagnosed with adenocarcinoma about a month and a half ago. And my mom is the strongest woman that I know. I'm a mama's boy. I will admit that to anybody. If you met my mom, you would be too. And she dealt with all this stuff in 2013. She dealt with myelofibrosis. And I found that out when I was in Afghanistan. And holy shit. When I found out, I remember where I was, what I was wearing, what I was doing. I laid in my bed and just cried after I found out because I felt so hopeless. And I was so pissed off because you you have somebody that you love that you you hold so dear and you get so angry that it's possible that something like this could happen to that person yep. and there's nothing that you can do about it and so like recently when it came back and i was sitting in the hospital room and i'm just i'm looking at my mom and i'm thinking about the the pain that she's in like i was grabbing the handrails of that chair and like my eyes were tearing up and I was so angry that I swear, like I can feel the heat emanating off of my body. Like you're just sitting there staring in silence. And for a moment, you almost feel like you could just go up in a ball of flames and just burn everything to the ground around you. And part of you, part of me almost wants that. And I think about why that is. And I think that's because I want other people to feel that same pain that I feel. But then I think, why would I want anybody to feel that same pain that I feel? And again, just digging further into my own brain, I think it comes down to because I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone with this feeling. I don't want to be alone with these thoughts. I want other people to understand how I feel. And because communicating requires you to be vulnerable, it makes it so much harder for me to just be like, hey, what's up, Brad? Uh, you know, I'm dealing with some cancer stuff in my family right now, and I feel like shit, and I kind of want to talk about it. It's hard for people to just kind of say that. So I'd rather just get angry and kind of lash out on people. And so... I'm personally having a struggle with that right now, like right now. And the other frustrating part about it too is, is that it's always frustrating when you don't have somebody or something that you can be angry at, in my opinion. Like yes. <laughs> if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're like, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? You're like that person gets all of my anger. It's focused. Plus side of being blind, nobody cuts me off in traffic. Glass is half full. We talked about this earlier. Yes, we did. Even if a glass is full of piss, <laughs> as long as it's half full, it's half full. I think that when you have that focal point, it absorbs it kind of. So again, with my mom in the hospital, yeah. dealing with this cancer shit, long wait times in the ER. Is that the nurse's fault? Hell no, it's not the nurse's fault. The no. nurse, who knows how many shifts that nurse has been working? Is that the doctor's fault? No. Everybody is doing their best, but it's the situation yep. that I'm so pissed off about. But I can't take it out on the situation. You want to take it out on a person. 
So what happens? You focus in on that nurse, that doctor, that receptionist, and you get mad at them. And is that doing anybody any good? No, man. Nope. Anger can be so destructive in that way. And I've had my own personal issues with it and trying to find ways to deal with it. And then, like I said, when it, when it comes to my mom right now, you know, I am in anger mode and I have been for some, some time now. And I know that you recently went through some serious, serious issues too, where anger played a big role, especially with the, with your father. Yes. So for those who don't know, my dad, a couple months ago, actually April, he was diagnosed with small cell, cute lung cell Mm -hmm. cancer or um, lung cancer cause of smoking. Unfortunately, he did pass um, in May. And yeah, it's, I, and you know, I hate saying this, but like you said, you blame other people because you can't be mad at the situation. So for starters, I blame the doctors. They weren't doing enough, which is not right. You know, it's not right. My dad smoked for 40 plus years. How can I blame a doctor for, yeah, dude. It's because you're trying to get it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I blame the doctors. And then I got to a point where I was like, damn, dad, if you just didn't smoke, you wouldn't, essentially, you wouldn't be where you're at. And so I had to basically watch my dad die. I mean, I was there. It was me and my sisters and the nurse, the hospice nurse, he was in his house. I mean, it was the day he passed, he had everybody, you know, it was, it was nice to see. There was probably 20, 30 people throughout the day coming out of the house. And then in the evening when he finally passed, it was just me and my sisters. And yeah, dude, it's just, it's, it's angry. I was angry like at him, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm angry at society for even inventing tobacco, like planting tobacco and right. making cigarettes and adding the additives to it that cause cancer. And like, it's just like a vicious cycle of cancer and it's, it's, it sucks. With your anger, were you self-destructive? Were you taking it out on yourself? Were you taking it out on other people? Like, what were you doing with it? Because like you said, I totally understand you're mad at the person that it's easiest to be mad at, which in that situation, in my mother's situation, it's like the, the healthcare providers. Absolutely. You're mad at them. Mm-hmm. When they're, you have no idea, we said earlier, I don't know what their life is like. I don't know what they went through. I don't know how many days they've been on and how many hours of overtime they have this week. And while you're not condoning shitty behavior, you're also recognizing that we're human beings and people are doing their best. And you yeah. get so frustrated at a situation because there's nothing you can do about it. And that's the thing that I have hard with, like being able to control what you can control. Yeah. And like what I can't control tends to upset me even more. But it's like, why? I can't control it. It's out of my control. Why am I going to let it impact me so much that I get so angry to where people don't even want to be around me? I think a lot of people have that problem because it's hard to have that realization about controlling the things that you can control. Again, like we talked about in episode one. Marcus Aurelius, Stoicism, those are what those principles are. It's control what you have control over. Like he said something, I'll be, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of, if someone is saying something bad about you, you shouldn't be mad because either it's true and you can't be mad because it's true or they're wrong and you can't be mad because it's wrong and they're just uninformed. Either way, you shouldn't be mad about it. The only thing that you can control in life is your response to what's happening around you. 
And as we've found that we'll get into a little bit later is just the fact of being mad can cause so many medical issues just by being super pissed for a long time. So what did you do with this anger or is it, are you still dealing with it right now? Oh, so I found that now that I'm older, the grieving process with this, I'm, I'm noticing myself go through the stages. So I'm dealing with it in a healthy way. When I do find myself getting angry, I will either talk to my wife or I'll just find something that, you know, I'll think of a good memory of my dad or something along those lines and I'll calm myself down. Yeah. Hasn't always been that way though. Of course. You know, I'm like my, you know, when I mentioned my grandma passing away earlier in my life, I was, dude, angry. Because of her passing or for yeah, other reasons? Just her passing. And then I was actually talking to one of my, my friends from high school and I was asking her and she's like, man, people did not want to be around you. And I looked at her, I was like, was I really that bad? And she's like, dude, you were so mad all the time. I don't even know why. I don't even know. I cannot go back in my life and think of a time that there's something triggered me to be such an angry, miserable person growing up. This was, was this in elementary school, high school? High school, man. Because high school is just a weird time period where just a lot of angst and emotions and hormones and just being pissed off in general. And then you're having something like your grandmother passing away that just kind of torches all that stuff and really gets it going yep. it amplifies it even more because i think that once you start getting really angry and you put yourself into this position where people don't want to be around you it's almost like you can control that now yeah you get to control who you let in and out of your life which is kind of something that i think people almost find some peace with because they get to control that. Because a lot of this seems like it has to do with some sort of control issue. And when you went through your time in the Marines, yeah, like you talked to me earlier, you know, you had a different experience Correct. and you had some anger from that. And what was what was that? That was just, dude, I hated my job. So I was originally supposed to be an electrical aviation technician, got in some trouble. They opened my contract ended up a cook. So starters right there already. Right when the guy, it was at boot camp, a civilian, he gave me my job and he, the way he told me, he goes, how do you like your eggs? And I was just like, no, oh, shit. no. And then he like laughed. And I'm like, dude, first of all, like, I don't, I don't know if he was a veteran or not. Like whatever. You're a civilian. This is my life. Not that like, it's this is you my life. I mean? You're laughing about exactly. I'm like, right. dude, you're going to laugh at me right now. Right. Like, <laughs> And then make a joke right now where, cause you were, went to what? 29 Palms or where were you at? Uh, I was in Oki. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just being a cook for starters. So like automatically right out the gate, my experience in the Marine Corps sucked. But that being said, you did your time. I did. Honorably discharged. Absolutely. It was just the frustration with what your actual job entailed. Correct. And then, so what also added to my anger the original job I had was five-year contract. Okay. I signed a five-year contract. So when they opened my contract, they never changed my time of enlistment. It, I did five years as a cook. It should have only been four years. So I had, on top of that, another extra year. So like the entire last year that I was in, I was finding ways to try to like get that last year cut off. Because, I, dude, I was burned out. I was done. I was just, I was, I was tired. It just, 
you didn't want to be there in the first place. Yeah. And that's a difficult thing. And so with the other guys that you'd served with and things like that, were you able to find any solace or any peace with any of them? Were any of them kind of able to help you out? Any of your buddies from the Marines, anything like that? Absolutely, dude. I've met some of the best people from the Marine Corps. Yeah. The best people in the world. Doesn't even matter if they're cooks or grunts or mechanics. Doesn't matter. Best people. And when it comes to that and you meet somebody and you find out that they're a Marine or you just find out, like for me, I was at a bar once here in Kankakee and a buddy of mine was going to get into a fight with this gigantic dude. And my buddy is an idiot. I love him to death. He's amazing at so many different things, but he's also an idiot sometimes. And he was starting a fight with this big dude. And then he comes over to me, my buddy, and he's like, hey, man, like this guy, he's like, he's trying to fuck with me. I'm like, I know you started this dude, but whatever. (laughs) So me being me, kind of young of piss and vinegar like i give this guy a hard elbow when he walks by me the big dude yeah i know this guy's probably gonna kick my ass but it hasn't scared me before so i give this dude an elbow he looks back at me he starts getting in my face now we're starting to talk shit to each other and i look down on his forearm and i see an 0311 tattoo and i'm like you were infantry in the marines and he goes yep and i go i was infantry army national guard and i said where were you and he said, I was in Afghanistan 0809. And I was like, I was in Afghanistan 0809. And before you knew it, we went from being super pissed at each other about ready to, to fight yeah. to drinking beers at the bar. And it's really hard to go from one end of the spectrum to the other that fast, other than, in my opinion, like in the veteran type of community. Yep. I was just thinking that. You know what I mean? Yes. And anger isn't that far away from other emotions in that respect in that you could be like when him and I were in each other's face, there was anger. We were mad at each other, ready to go. And then all of a sudden shit just went away because you guys have a common background. And there was just that common understanding of like, we were both over there at the same time. We know what the lay of the land was like over there. You probably seen a little bit. We've seen a little bit. We're good. You know what I mean? There's no issues here. But anyway, so one of the things that we looked into were the different types of anger. So we found on yourlifecounts.org, there were three main types. In a little bit of the research that I did, you know, you could really get into the weeds. I found there's like 16 different types of anger and all that other kind of stuff. We're trying to be simple here, man. Oh, yeah. We're just breaking this down Barney style. Yes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. The three types that I found and that you found that we talked about, you have passive aggression, open aggression, and assertive anger. So passive aggression is, uh, it comes out in things like being silent when you're mad, sulking, procrastinating, which I was surprised to find procrastinating in there. I I was surprised to find that procrastinating is actually a sign of passive aggression or can be a sign of passive aggression. Now, why did that surprise you? Just because I wouldn't assume, like I wouldn't put together putting stuff off with being passive aggressive. But a lot of it, again, from what I read, comes down to like a need to be in control Mm. or wanting to push things off. And when it comes to passive aggression, I think of, you know, that quintessential argument that you have with your spouse, like where you're like, hey, uh, I'm going out with my friends. We're going to go out for a few beers. I'll probably be back like uh, tomorrow, maybe the next day. And, you know, your spouse, your wife is just like, okay, have fun. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, that's passive aggression. Can I just stop you for a second and say 
in what marriage, in what world have you ever asked your wife, like, hey, I'm going to go out and see you, I don't know, maybe the next day or the day after that, and got um, away with that? <laughs> got away with it? Or, like, was, like, okay. My wife has said that I am not allowed to go back to Las Vegas or New Orleans. Okay. But those are only two cities, and there's so many cities in this country, so that's still, like, a pretty good mix. Like, it's not too bad, so I, I'm, I feel pretty good about that. Just so everybody knows, if you miss your flight home from Vegas because you had a little too much fun, it is about 26 hours if you want to drive from McCarran Airport to Chicago Midway, just so everybody knows that. Now, open aggression is more of what we see when we think about anger, lashing out, arguing, fighting, bullying, blackmailing, all that kind of stuff. What kind of things did you think that you were having? What kind of anger were you dealing with the most? A little bit of both. It's a, it was a mix of passive aggressive and open. When I was by myself, and still to this day when I'm by myself, I will openly just like randomly yell. Like if I'm, if I'm angry about something, I'll like yell at the situation to myself. If you're by yourself and you're just yelling about it to yourself, does that make you feel better? Yeah. Because it's like that discharge, you're just getting it out? I think so. Yeah, it does. In a way. And then you know what? I've noticed too, and I think it comes with age and like just growing up. The things that like make me angry when I was younger, I would hold on to it and I would let it fester and I would just, it would, it would ruin my entire day. Now I get mad for like 10, 15 minutes, depending on the situation. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'm over it. Do you have any pet peeves? Pet peeves. Like something that immediately triggers you and makes you angry? Yes. What is that? Well, I mean, anything that involves vision, really. I was going to say, up until this point, <laughs> one thing that's incredible to me, yeah. when I asked you to talk about things that pissed you off, yep. you talked about your father passing, yeah. your grandmother passing. You didn't talk about the fact that you've had to readjust your fucking life yeah. because of your vision loss. I mean, I don't want to, I feel like I'm hoping this show goes for a long run. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to overplay the blind thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I don't want to, like, beat a dead horse. But I don't think you're overplaying it. You're talking about your life, dude. And this yeah, is your life. So that's you true. talk about it however the hell you want to talk about it, man. Yeah. Because I feel like, for me, I'm in chronic pain with my back. And some of the other issues that I have make me mad. The chronic pain really frustrates me and makes me angry sometimes. So I have to imagine from your perspective, too, do you feel like you had an increase in anger since the issues with your vision? Do you feel like you have it under control and it's the other things that make you angry? When it first happened, yes, dude. The first three years. from So from 2017 to like 2020, super pissed. I'm talking like crying, angry. I would think of the doctor, like from the first hospital I went to and just get, there were points where People like my, like I went to a therapist and she's like, what would you do if you saw him? I was like, dude, I would probably punch him in the face or something worse. But then I went to another doctor and he's like, oh, what I thought caused my vision loss. He's like, no, that didn't happen. So that was almost like a moment of clarity yeah. where I spent three years absolutely just hating this person. Like just really ruminating on it, just thinking about it day in, Every day out. single day, dude. From when this happened, I would wake up and just be like, dude, fuck that guy. Yep. Out of nowhere. That sounds exhausting. It is. Like it you're waking up, you're like, hey, babe, can you pour me some cereal? Fuck that guy. Yeah, dude. Okay, can you give me some milk too? And like you're just going out about your merry way and just all throughout the day, you're just telling yourself like, Vrr. And then when it would come to something that was challenging because I couldn't see it, it would intensify. 
yeah. right? Yeah. Driving, schoolwork. Dude, school is so frustrating. Just trying to do like, not that college is easy, right? It's not. It's it's challenging. Sure. But a simple assignment where the teacher's like, hey, do like a research paper. Hours, dude. It takes me hours. To try to put that for me to understand here, like it would take you hours. Yes. Whereas normally it would take you, if you weren't having the issues visually, how long do you think it would take you? 45 minutes. Okay, so it's hour. taking you two to three to four times as long Correct. to do what you would have been able to do. Excuse me. Yeah, simple, just simple, basic stuff. When you and I met, and we talked in Copeland's about everything. We did. And we talked about acceptance on certain things. And it seemed to me, and I could be wrong, it seemed to me like that was something that you really chewed on for a minute. You're correct. Because I did not want to accept that this was my life. I well, didn't right. I didn't want to because I didn't it was not self-inflicted. I didn't do anything that like I don't know, for example, if I like chewed tobacco or you know what I'm saying, or something crazy. I didn't do anything that would have caused this. It just right. it was it was in I put my life into somebody else's hands. And, you know, like you said, they're human. They made a mistake, but it just like it was a big one. And were you able, are you able to accept it? Or is that something that's a work in progress? I think it depends on the day, dude. It depends yeah. on the day because in a way I have to accept this. This is my life now. I can't change it. This this is what it is. Until there's like some awesome, cool surgery or something that's going to bring my eyesight back, I, I don't have a choice. I could choose to be angry and miserable, but there's consequences that come with that. Oh my God. I probably won't have any friends. Chances are my kids will grow up and hate me. If I were married to somebody who was angry all the time, chances are I would probably file for a divorce. So there's consequences that come with, with anger. And I think, I think because I realize those consequences, I'm not going to let anger dictate my life, dude. Well, and it's easier said than done. Correct. Because with the different types of anger and the things that cause anger, it's so easy to get angry at any point of your day. Look at social media. Open up whatever. Yeah. And just pull up, pull, go find a, a post about something completely ridiculous and you're going to see just hate on yeah. there. Like I never got, I, I had a Twitter for like a week and then I got rid of it because it didn't seem productive for me personally. And the one thing that's so hard, especially on social media, is how free people are to express their anger out into the world with one, without many ramifications. Sometimes there are some repercussions there. Sometimes people say things, they get in trouble, yep. right? But when it comes to the anger that you see on social media all the time, there's never any context there. And so it's so hard to understand why somebody feels the way that they feel because you're not going to get their context in like 140 characters or whatever. Yep. You can scroll through somebody's Instagram all day and look at every meal they've ever had. You're not going to understand the pain that they're carrying with them day in and day out, physical, emotional, whatever. And then to see something in the news and to have an opinion about it and share that opinion. And then somebody else sees that, brings their context into it and immediately gets angry, which now makes the first person angrier because they were just trying to express their opinion. And now it becomes this weird fire yes. of some kind where it 
everybody knows nothing's going to get solved here. I very few times, if any, have I ever seen on social media two people arguing and then one person's like, that's a good point. <laughs> and it just stops there. Like, I've, I don't think I've ever seen that like nope. ever. And so with the pandemic and people being isolated in their houses and you're kind of stuck on social media, you're already frustrated because of financial issues, stress, family issues, whatever. And now with social media, I feel like it's just kind of thrown everything into this accelerator of kinds when it comes to dealing with anger, which is why I, I try to stay away from a lot of that because that's not where conversations like that can happen. That's not where a productive release of something you are frustrated about can truly happen. Would you agree? I would. So do you think, totally random outside opinion, yeah. do you think these social media giants, you know, the creators of all these sites, they did the limited characters on purpose? To kind of like stir the pot, you know? I don't know, because you're going to have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. Otherwise, there's going to be like 50,000 different ones. I do think there should be like an emoji where you can roll your eyes, a reaction on Facebook. Yeah. Where you can just be like, bro, like, okay. Like, I do think there should be that. But other than that, I don't know. Emotion obviously sells, I think, yeah. from a marketing perspective. Like when it comes to a lot of ads now, I notice that there are a lot of ads are trying to play on our emotions, like whether it be love, depression, anger, whatever, because it sells. Yep. And anger sells. When Shia LaBeouf went off on a tangent, and I know that there's been a couple of them, but when he went off on a tangent, that was all over the news. When Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, all over the news. Do I condone their behavior? I don't believe that I do based on what I understand from an outsider's opinion. But do I know the ins and outs of what happened there? No, man, I have no fucking idea. I don't know where that anger comes from. I don't know what it's like to be in the eye all day, every day, ever since you were a kid and what kind of issues that could cause that's bringing into your relationships with other people. So it's like, and then people get mad about the way people are acting, famous people act online, and then it just continues. And it's like that law, I forget, the first law or the third law, thermodynamics, that energy cannot be created or destroyed, it merely transfers. Yep, yep. I feel like hate, I feel like anger is the same way. Because you yes. have anger, and now I see Brad, and I'm going to take it out on Brad because I'm in a shitty mood today. And now that fucks up your whole day. Yep. And now you're going to take it out on somebody else who's going to take it out on somebody else. And it just keeps going. But if you're able to stop that, let it turn into something productive, then actually you're able to have some positive change. Yes. And so, again, when it comes to open, open aggression, lashing out, fighting, we talk about anger outbursts. Interestingly enough, from what we saw in the DSM-5, uh, it, it doesn't really define anger. It doesn't have an anger disorder in there. The, it has one disorder in there that I found. Intermittent explosive disorder that's the name of the disorder which sounds like something a superhero has oh you know I, what was, I mean i was gonna say it kind of sounds like something that happens in the bathroom <laughs> okay yeah that's another thing too i suppose <laughs> two different minds when i heard it i was like that'd be super like i can blow up and then i just come right back together that would be you know what sweet. I mean? or intermittent explosive disorder when you go to taco bell Boom. go to the bathroom yep fair enough <laughs> That was the only thing that I found in the DSM-5, which was defined as recurrent behavioral outbursts representing a failure to control aggressive impulses, which is a super fancy way to say 
being a dick. It just sounds like being an asshole. Pretty that's much. What it sounds like just that's flipping out on people. Scientific. All the yeah. time. Yep. So that's the one thing that I found that was defined in there. They talk about kind of rage attacks. We saw some articles that were talking about out of control bursts of anger, very explosive outbursts that would fit underneath the intermittent explosive disorder bubble. Also seemed to be out of proportion to what triggered a particular episode. So all of that would would kind of be under the open aggression type of anger. And then you have issues that stem from chronic anger. So one of the things that we talked about from what was it, last year or something like that, was that I was having some problems because because of COVID, stress, everything I was doing with the nonprofit, I was working all the time, putting together a festival, just similar to what I'm doing right now. (laughs) And I was so stressed out, angry, frustrated that I developed skin rashes. Yeah. And I developed some sort of cardiac issue. And I was having, you know, I have headaches all the time and migraines and things, but like those were getting worse, all of these problems. And my primary care physician was just like, yeah, this is because of what you're doing, because of the stress, the anxiety, the anger. And I was blown away that that shit can happen from just being mad a bunch. And when we looked into it even further, issues from chronic anger, that there's headaches, digestion problems, insomnia, increased anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, skin problems, heart attack, and stroke. So being angry can straight up kill you. Yes, it could. (laughs) Now, the chronic anger that you were dealing with, what kind of things did that cause? Definitely high blood pressure. Like, I don't think I've ever... Dude, they put me on blood pressure medication when I was like 18. (laughs) Like Really? Yeah, yeah. And were you just putting like... Uh, dumping a whole thing of salt on like everything you were eating or like what was that just because of the anger yeah i think it was a combination of anger and smokeless tobacco oh i think that increased the uh the blood pressure but yeah my blood pressure i had uh i've been irritable Uh, you know what i mean i don't yeah sleep when i'm angry you know i basically everything aside from a heart attack and a stroke everything you just listed off i've had but not those two no yeah nice well Hopefully not ever, but hopefully not ever. Yes. (laughs) But, But, and it's ridiculous that your mind has that much control over you. It's crazy. Whether you know it or not. If you let things piss you off, it can decrease your life expectancy. That's, that's nuts. It affects you on a chemical level. Dude, how would you feel if you passed away at, let's just say like 47 or somebody bright, like somebody passes away at 47 and like in the autopsy and stuff like cause of death. Facebook. Oh, you <laughs> right? it had to have happened. You think so? People that saw something on social media and got so mad or, or they just got pissed off at a stupid reason. Earlier, I brought up pet peeves. Yes. One of my pet peeves is anytime I have to call a company and I have to deal with the automated system for that company. Anytime it's one of the few times in my life, because you know me, you're getting to know me pretty well. Yep. I'm a pretty chill dude, man. I'm pretty call, calm, cool, and collected. If I call a number and it's an automated system, if zero is uh, no anger and ten's anger, I immediately jump up to a seven before anything happens. I'm at a seven because I know they're not going to understand me. I'm going to have to repeat stuff. I'm going to get, it's going to go every which way. I'm going to get super frustrated. And there have been times where the automated system was talking and my wife would just laugh 
because I'm yelling and talking shit to this robot. And there have been multiple times where a human being would just immediately insert their like, sir, 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 what can we do for you? Like I bypassed their entire system as far as like, please press this number and then type this in and then remember this 18 digit password and blah, 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 because I was just so angry and talking so much shit, which is a, an, a productive use of anger. I think that's one of the things that makes me angry. You did know you, what I mean? Did you say it was unproductive or productive? I think it's productive because I got to talk to somebody super fast. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm never <laughs> threatening or no. anything like that. No, I'm no. just talking shit to whatever robot I'm talking to yeah. because I'm just so mad. And because I think it's like a release valve for me sometimes to be mad about dumb shit. Yep. Just because I usually don't let many things go. Or I usually let things go. Sorry. And I usually am okay with dealing with things. So when I get an opportunity to actually be angry about something, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to get it all out. So I'll get mad when I'm dealing with those types of phone calls. And I do think that that's a little productive because the third type of, of anger that we found was assertive anger. So assertive anger is healthy and constructive ways to deal with anger. So some of the things that we were talking about earlier, you know, we were talking about how we find better ways to deal with anger. According to a study uh, referred to in Scientific American, anger actually makes you more creative. So to my wife, my loving wife, maybe listening, I'm never trying to make you mad, babe. I just, I'm trying to make you more creative because I care about you and I know that that's important to you. I think that that's a positive thing because it's true that anger can do productive things if you allow it to, right? Absolutely. I found Edward Munch, Edward Munch, painter, I believe from Spain. He did The Scream, which is the Macaulay Culkin type of painting where the guy has his hands on both sides of his face and he's yelling. You know, he talks about how anger fueled him to make that painting. Pablo Picasso was motivated through anger after an act of war that caused him to create some of his works of art. So I know that there's constructive uses for anger. What have you, have you had any constructive uses of anger? Have you found ways to take anger and, and make it do something beneficial for you? Yoga. For sure. I yeah. tried it once. <laughs> Dude, yoga is no joke. I know. Like it's hard. Agreed. Um, but it was very, very like in the end after like the pain <laughs> it's it is very relaxing it's i've tried meditating a couple times yeah when i was in the military i went to like a lot of like workshops yeah dealing with anger and that was one of the things you like one of the exercises you you basically sit and you tense up each so what you're gonna do is like if you touch the your finger you, it's hard you can't you tense up and then yeah. you, and then you release so basically just meditation and relaxing and stuff like that nothing like I didn't write any books or do any cool paintings or anything, but but that's still pretty good. <laughs> like one, there's a sleeping technique I've I've read about somewhere where it talks about how you're supposed to like really contract yep. or like flex everything you can, like kind of starting from the feet, I think. Yes. And then working your way up. Yep. So that makes sense. Yoga 100 percent makes sense because I feel like yoga was one of those things like 10, 20 years ago, maybe, or maybe not even that long ago. You know, like a lot of guys would kind of talk shit a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? They'd have like an opinion about it. But now like as time's going on, people are like, no, nah, this is pretty, uh, it's pretty great. It feels good. It yeah. feels so good for my back. Afterwards. Afterwards. <laughs> yes. I don't Afterwards, know if, yes. I don't know if anyone listening has done yoga before, but if you want like a legit workout and a sweat, 
yoga is it? My wife, she got me to do yoga and it really helped strengthen my back a little bit and it helps it feel quite a bit better. And there's also a meditation aspect to that because I believe that meditation comes in a lot of different forms. So like for me, the way that I deal with anger the most is the gym. When I go to the gym, I, and I've talked to my therapist about this, the back of my mind is like if you've seen Indiana Jones, I think it was Raiders, you know, at the very end of the movie, they have this super long warehouse and there's all these boxes that are packed away. And so in my brain, when I deal with a situation, when I confront a certain situation and it makes me feel a certain way, I'll take those emotions and I'll put it in a box and I'll be like, I'm going to deal with that later. And then when I go to the gym, I'll pull that box out and I'll get everything out. And there are times where I go to the gym and if you pay attention to me, you'll see my eyes are red or they're starting to tear up a little bit because I'm bringing that out. I'm, I'm bringing it in there. I'm going to go into that gym. I'm going to find the heaviest weight I can pick up. I'm going to pick it up as many fucking times as I can until I can't feel what I'm feeling right now. And then I'm going to go home. So like the gym helped me out with that a ton. And then there were times where I was dealing with so many other emotions that the analogy my therapist used was those boxes started to leak and all of those things started coming out at once. And now I couldn't stop it anymore because it wasn't as organized as I wanted it to be. And when I started developing all these issues with my back and they were getting even worse because I told my therapist, I told my doctor, I told everybody, the pain that I feel when I work out is way less than the pain that I feel when I don't. I would rather deal with the physical pain of working out and the pain with my back than the mental pain I'll deal with if I don't start my day that way. And so when I couldn't do that, when I couldn't work out as much, I start, I was getting really angry and I turned into meditation, but I turned to different types of meditation because I don't think meditation is necessarily sitting with your, with your legs crossed and your fingers touching. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that if that works for you. But for me, one of my professors at Governor State recommended a book called You Are Here by Thich Nhat Hanh, who was a monk who had passed, I believe, I believe a couple of years ago. But he did walking meditations where he would just walk. And when he was walking, he would just say, I'm stepping with my right foot, stepping with my left foot. I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. And I went to a park and I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try it. And yeah, I felt a clarity to that because I was relaxed. I wasn't thinking about all of the other things in the world. I wasn't thinking about what I was pissed off about. I was just focused on my breathing and on my steps. And that's a form of meditation. When I'm in the gym and I got my headphones on, I'm meditating. I'm in the zone right there. Like I'm thinking about whatever it is that I'm thinking about. And it, it's just one thing. And I'm just trying to work through that one thing. Do you have any other types of meditation that you do? Or are you the type of sit and just sit and think type of meditation? I don't sit and think. I yeah. walk and think. Right. I so love walking. I will go anywhere from two to six miles depending on who's watching the kids, how I'm feeling, whatever. But yeah, my I started doing that last year, actually. It was an escape. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was able to get away. I was able to clear my head. And I mean, granted, I, <laughs> I've become known as like 
the blind guy that walks around town, but like whatever. <laughs> I mean, There's it's way worse ways to be known. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. And you're out there and you're doing something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And walking is just calming for me. Yeah. Like, I think it's a super calming thing to do. It, yeah. One of my, I, I really enjoy going like to the state park or just yeah. like nature We've walks. Gone. Yeah. Hell yeah. We've uh, grabbed some veterans with Project Headspace and Timing. We would go to the park and walk. Yep. And what happens? We usually end up bullshit and we, we talk about things. And sometimes we talk about nothing. Sometimes we get a little deep out there, man, because it just feels natural when you're yes. walking out there. And when I looked into dealing with anger, there are a billion different quotes from so many famous people. And a lot of them all deal with something along the lines of saying, anger hurts yourself. It's not going to hurt other people. It's going to destroy you. That's what it's going to do. And you have to find a way to take yourself away from it. And there is a book out there called Emotional Awareness by Dr. Paul Ekman. And it's uh, just his conversations with the Dalai Lama, which if you're unfamiliar, you know, the Dalai Lama is kind of one of the figureheads for like peace, Buddhism, and that kind of stuff. And he has these conversations about anger with the Dalai Lama. And, and some incredible takeaways that I had from reading that book is that the Dalai Lama admitted in a certain situation, he too could become overcome with anger to the degree that he could kill somebody. This is the Dalai Lama saying that. And so for him to be able to recognize what kind of pressure emotions like anger have that they could push you into doing something like that, that's letting me know like, okay, I don't need to beat myself up if I'm frustrated by some thoughts that I'm having because that's a Dalai Lama, dude. Yeah. And the other thing that I took away from that book was Dr. Ekman said when he gets super angry, if he gets into a big fight with his wife or something like that, that he will remove himself from the situation, which is something that I found to be very positive for me too because I can give into my emotions and be angry. But if I remove myself for just a little bit to give myself some time to kind of breathe and calm down. And sometimes I'll write out the way that I feel and I won't give it to anybody. I'll just write it out so I can reread it later. A majority of the time when I do, I'm like, okay, yeah, I was just kind of being an asshole right there. I just needed to take a minute and go walk or something like that. So I found some productive ways to kind of deal with it. So a couple of other good things that we found that anger can do. When it comes to the positive side of anger and dealing with anger from goodtherapy.org, they talk about how anger is actually a survival instinct. It's your flight response to defend you from harm. The discharge from anger can sometimes be very, very calming. Like we talked about earlier, sometimes you just want to yell, but it feels really good to just yell, right? It does. (laughs) It really does. Anger also provides you with a sense of control. It can actually energize you, motivate you to solve problems. It makes you aware of injustice. One thing that I found that was really surprising, anger can instill optimism in you because anger can make you feel positive in that it makes you feel like you can now change your situation. Yeah, that makes sense. I immediately go to like sports. You're out there playing. You're down by whatever you're down by. What do you do? You get pissed. Yep. You psych your team up. You get angry. Yep. You start smacking helmets and, and shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So can I tell you a really quick story, a really quick football story? Yes. About that fits along with it. So 
when I played high school football, I, I went to a small high school, played both sides of the ball. I was Hersher High School, and I loved playing football. So I played starting both sides, offense, defense, like three, three out of four special teams. So we're out there, and we're getting killed because we were playing gigantic teams, and we were losing at half by like, I'm going to say like 53 points or something <laughs> like that. And so we are sitting over at the end zone, and one of the end zones, and one of our coaches comes up there, and I don't want to say any of the coaches' names, but one of our coaches gets up there, and he gives us that Denzel Washington, that that Sam Jackson type of speech where you're like, oh, shit, like, we're going to turn this around. Like, yeah. I'm going to go take somebody's out. He amped all of us up. He used anger, and he got us insanely psyched up. And then another coach came out, and he said, you see that scoreboard? And we were all like, we were all jazzed up from the last coach. And we're like, yup. And they said, do you think you're going to change that score? And we all said, yup. And the coach goes, probably not. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I was like, yo, what? What did he just say? And that anger went from productive anger to watch me not give a fuck anymore anger. Yes. And half of our team took their helmets and like threw them and like nobody wanted to play anymore. And I've never that was it lives in infamy in my head is like the worst speech ever by a coach in any high school and any movie ever. And it was just the perfect timing because anger can be. In that instance, it went from anger being super productive to anger being deconstructive yep. within seconds. And I think the problem with that is that people don't know how to control that. They don't know how to manage that quick shift in anger where it can be productive and then it shifts to something negative and people are like, oh, and that's when the, like, the pissed off anger comes in. And what do you think needs to be done? Because I think that the first step is probably recognition. Correct. Right. I think that the base of this podcast is to break the stigma of stuff. If you're angry and you know you're angry and it's a problem because there has been times where people have gotten angry and it's gotten them in a lot of trouble. Just oh. turn the news on. And if that person just took the time to, I don't know, talk to somebody or found constructive ways to channel that anger. And I, again, it's easier said than none. Of course. But best way i think to fix any problem is taking that first step recognition is always key because if you recognize that you're like listen i just need to go sit in my car and i'm just gonna roll the windows up and yell for five minutes but whatever i'm not affecting anybody else i just need to take myself out of this for a second yeah. give myself a couple minutes say whatever i got to say to myself and then get back into it. So recognition for sure seems like it'd be one of the biggest steps and that's a constructive way to handle your anger but for some people, they get that anger and instead of taking themselves out of that situation, it escalates and it becomes violent or it becomes way more aggressive than it needed to. And then you drink. And then you drink or you use any type of substance and then you become abusive. Yep. Or you do, you act out in ways in the news in the past years, you yeah. know, with what's been going on, the, yeah. the people who've been the protesting and all that other stuff, dude. It's just, it's, there's healthy, productive ways to channel anger. And that's, that's not the right way. If you're going to find yourself getting into trouble. If you're instilling violence, if you are doing something that could hurt somebody else. Yes. Then that is not a productive way uh, yeah. to use anger. And if you're abusing substances, if you're out there doing 
Mexican black tar heroin because how pissed off you are at the world. That's probably not a productive use. If you are drinking four sugar-free Red Bulls and then just punching holes in your drywall, probably not a super constructive use. But that would be a great way to lead into our sponsor for this podcast, which is Certipro Painters of Homewood and Kankakee County for all your drywall and painting needs. They're not really a sponsor, but that was a perfect, that'd be a perfect plug for them. That, to think about that. that was a really good setup, I, dude. <laughs> I used to work for Certipro for years and they're, they're why I started Project Headspace and Timing. So I got a big love for them, but that should be one of their selling points. It's like, yo, yeah, that was good. you mad? You punching holes in drywall? <laughs> we'll take care of that, man. There we are. But so the takeaways, the pros and the cons, there are pros with anger. It can cause you to be more creative. It can instill and motivate you to change things. And it gives you a sense of pride almost in a type of optimism in that you can actually have the ability to change things. There are productive ways to deal with anger and deconstructive ways. So I hope that if you're going to take something away from this, Mexican black tar heroin, bad. Yoga, good. Yes. Yoga, walking, meditating, All good just things. walking away from the situation, anything. Yes. Literally anything besides Mexican black tar heroin. Or punching <laughs> holes in drywall. So yes. remember those things before I get to our little feel-good story. What else do you think about anger, man? I don't know, dude. Just, I guess. That's a good way to summarize that. Again, <laughs> a lot of people out there have to deal with anger. We have to deal with anger often. We just genuinely hope that you can find a productive use for it and also not beat yourself up in the process. And if you need help, don't be afraid to ask for help because for sure. there is no shame in that game. Have the conversation with your loved ones. And even if one thing that I'll do and that I've done with my wife when I'm like, I know I'm fucking up, like I'm just angry or mad or whatever, I'll tell her like, I don't know why. I'm trying to understand why, and I apologize if I'm taking this out on you, but like, I'm just angry right now, and I'm just trying to process this, which has especially been huge lately, dealing with everything with my mom. As I had noted in our first episode, we want to make sure we leave you with something good. So it's it's easy to find a lot of feel-good stories. This one's a little bit older, but it's still one of my favorite ones. So years ago, the late James Doohan, who was Scotty from the show Star Trek, the original series Star Trek, he became famous. And there's a meme that's circulating out there about this because he had a fan reach out to him that was suicidal. The fan wrote him a letter. And when he got that letter, he reached back out to the fan and he reached out to the fan and he, I believe he called her. Yeah. He called her and said, Hey, you know, this is Jimmy Doohan, Scotty from Star Trek. I'm doing a conversation, uh, a convention, excuse me, in Indianapolis. And I want to see you there. And she shows up to the convention. And when I'm, I'm going to call him Scotty cause I, I like Star Trek, I like Star Wars too. But, uh, you know, I was like Star Trek. So Scotty saw her and said yeah, she looked like she'd been thinking about it. She just wasn't in a good place. She it was the real deal. And it didn't seem like she was talking to the right people. So she told the woman about every convention in the surrounding areas in the nearby states. And Scotty told her that he would be at all these conventions and he wanted to see her at every single one. And that went on for like two or three years. 
So she goes to every single one. And every time he saw her, he said positive things to her. And then all of a sudden, she disappeared. And he didn't hear anything. He had no idea what was going on. He didn't really save her address, so he didn't know. And then eight years later, Scotty gets a letter from her. And it says, I just wanted to thank you for what you did to me, for what you did for me. I just got my master's degree in electronic engineering. And she turned her whole fucking life around. Now, I understand context. There's a lot of other things that could have been happening at the same time. But my understanding from this story is you can't discount the power that your words have yeah. to somebody that needs to hear that. Because in an age of technology where you could pick up your cell phone right now, and I feel like everybody has that person where you're like, I should probably reach out to this person. You could reach out to them right now and just be like, hey, you know, I was thinking about you. You can even blame it on me and say, hey, Eric, this dude from this podcast, he said I needed to text you. I've been thinking about you. I love you. I just wanted you to know. You could just say that. And I think you would cha- you could change somebody's day, week, month life. Do you I, not agree? I've been on the receiving end of that that yeah. message, and it does the impact that it genuinely has on people. It really and just something as small as like, "Hey, man, haven't talked in a while. Just seeing what's up. Yeah, are you, are you good? Right. Just reach out to people, man. That's the whole point of it. It, it doesn't have to be like in in this instance. It doesn't have to be a celebrity. Right. Just, Absolutely. Just be kind. Just. Just letting Spread people the know love, that you're there. Spread the love, man. Yeah. And letting people know that you're there is such a huge step in all of this other shit that we're talking about. Normalizing conversations about mental health. Everything. Like, it all starts with just reaching out. So never discount the true effect that just your words have on somebody else, good and bad. It's always something we should be, we should be cognizant of. But unless you have anything else, my friend. I think it was a good show. I think we did okay. Episode number two in the books. Very cool. So I want to make sure again, I take a quick moment to thank anybody that has listened, downloaded, shared, commented, reached out to us. Trust me, I can't tell you enough how much that means to Brad and I. So thank you guys for that. To Lamore Media, please, if anybody is out there and you're thinking about starting a podcast, reach out to Lamore Media. They are the ones who have produced this show. They've been helping us out from day one, even before. Uh, Any of your questions, comments, concerns, if you have a good idea to start a podcast, they're the ones you should take it to. Don Cruz for rolling out our sweet, sweet intro beat and CP Arts and Graphics for for doing our logo. We want to thank everybody again. And always remember from the I'm Fine family here, we love you unconditionally. It's a very important thing, and we strongly urge everybody else to try to do the same. So thank you, and we will talk to you soon.